Welcome to the Best Work Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Henley-Smith. The goal of this show is to uncover the personal stories of successful software engineers, founders, thinkers, and leaders who are all navigating their own working journey. Finding our best work is often this hidden journey, uncovered through an ongoing conversation with ourselves and the world around us. Every one of these episodes is packed, full of timeless ideas you could apply to your own life. In this conversation, I speak to Claire Donald, the VP of Engineering at Moo. Claire's career trajectory is a one-off, and she was actually recommended to me by Marta Jasinska, the former CTO at Moo, who went on to become the CTO at Bloom and Wild. After joining the army and having her first child early, Claire has risen to become one of the most senior female engineering leaders in the country. She has a comprehensive knowledge of different working styles and cultures, and a refreshingly real touch and openness about how to navigate between them. Our conversation explores how motherhood has helped Claire in her own working life. We talk about her burnout, its causes, and the signs that, in hindsight, showed she was suffering. We discuss Claire's own managerial toolkit, which is centred around generalism and empathy, as well as the future of workplace culture and her place within it. At every turn, Claire gives it straight and unfiltered. Her striking ability to be blunt and kind is clear from the start, as well as the qualities that have led her to this point. If life is a maze and our job is to figure our way through it, how have you chosen to navigate yours and how has it changed at different points? Yeah, different points of my life. I mean, I suppose like, I like to go right the way back to when I first started my career, to be honest, because I think when you're younger, you may be a bit more gung-ho and just go with the, go with the flow. Like and I certainly was. I left school when I was 15, straight after I'd done the equivalent of the equivalent of GCSEs. And to be honest, I just wanted to I just wanted to earn some money. I you know, from quite a deprived area in the, in, in Scotland. And and yeah, I just wanted to be earning. Uh, I wanted to be a little bit more independent. Um and I, I just wanted to get into the get into the workplace. I mean I'd done pretty well at school, um des- despite not going very often to be honest. Like I've honestly had I had the I had the brains, but I just wanted to get to the workplace. And I like my, my my first job I um worked as a like an IT and admin assistant um for the local council, you know, fixing uh, fixing PCs and fax machines and things like that back uh, back when. But sort of you know gives you gives you a taste for uh, gives you a taste for taste for work. And it probably wasn't until I was in that job that I even thought about what I might want to I might want to do next. So you know, at the ripe old age of sixteen, I'm thinking, all right, like what what you know, I'm quite enjoying this this tech thing. But yeah, where, like where do I go from here? I'm sixteen years old. I've already left school. Um, you know, don't come from a wealthy background. You know, it's not easy for me to now go to university or whatever. So, yeah, what do, like, what do, what do I do next? Like, I, I made as a sixteen-year-old probably a really bold and brave decision, and has impacted the rest of my my life. Um, I don't think I realised the magnitude of it at the at, at, at the time, but there's the uh, there's the beauty of youth sometimes, isn't it? And I I decided to join the army, um, and I joined the Royal Signals who specialise in comms and IT. Um, and, you know, to all intents and purposes, that was my college and university training, technically. But, yeah, I, like, I also learned <laughs> how to be a soldier at the, uh, a soldier at the, same, at the same time. Um, and, yeah, like, that, 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 that took me off through the, you know, that first, first part, of the, part of the maze. Um, you know, I, I lived all over the UK. I lived in Germany, Northern Ireland, and... Uh, you know, went went to various other hot and hot and sandy places for you know the first seven or eight, eight years of my eight years of my life, um, and you know when when you're working in that type of environment, you you kind of go with the flow. You know, you, you commit to a lifestyle. It's not it's not just a job, um, and you you, you kind of go wherever you're sent, and but do whatever is required as you as as you go along the go along the way. Um, you know, it becomes second nature to. To learn new skills, to be part of a team, to to be a leader, to be uh, to be a manager, um, you know, I was quite quickly promoted and 
you know, enjoyed the aspects of, of managing and leading people, uh, as well as the generalist technical skill set that I that I built up. So, like, I was cont- like during that phase of my life, that sort of seven or eight years, um, I was content with the path that I was on and was sort of navigating my career in the, the career in the army. Um, but that all changed when I when I when I had my son. Um, so, like, again, another sort of big pivotal moment in moment in my life where it makes you stop and think, doesn't it? Like you're in you're in the maze. Like where where where, where are you going next? You know, are you are you turning left? Or are you turning turning right? Um, and, you know, I decided to turn. Don't know if it's left or right, but I made a sharp turn and I uh, and I left the army. You know, my husband was still serving. Uh, you know, we you know I, I chose that I didn't want both of us serving in the army whilst whilst bringing up a, bringing up a kid. Uh, plenty of other people did, but it just wasn't 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 for me to be honest. Um, and so yeah, like again, I, I was twenty four by this by this point. I made another really big bold decision to uh, to leave uh, to leave the army. Um, and I joined um, Hewlett Packard when I when I left the army, um, which, like I was at the time, I was grateful to find another job. Easy enough to be honest, like it wasn't wasn't hard at all. You know, thinking back, I probably I probably should have tried a bit harder to to look to look at my options. But I was I was content to be joining a sort of well known well known brand. Um, you haven't haven't been in the army uh, in the army that long. But yeah, I was 24 then with a you know one year old a one year old son, and I was hired as a um, a technical consultant, sort of being interviewed as a network engineer. Um, and when I, and this is when I realised that I had skills that I didn't really realise I had. Um, when I got there, they I realised that we had all these different teams. You know, we had a network team, a messaging team, a server admin team. Like everyone was a deep deep specialist, and I was. Like I was a I was a generalist. Um, you know, best of us maybe stronger in the you know the infrastructure networking side of things. And like that, that that was when I it wasn't even a conscious decision at that moment in time. But it's when I made a stronger pivot into 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 management, you know, whilst I was uh, and you know HP were very supportive at the time of being um helping me figure out what I wanted to specialise in and you know to help train me up and all, all all the likes. And whilst I was given that a ponder, we had all of these like big, huge, complex projects and programs going on, and you know, f- physical data centers at this at this moment in time. You know, hiring loads of people. You know, and, and figure out how to do migrations, this, that, and the other. And I, like, I naturally just gravitated to there and started getting uh, getting getting stuff done. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So inside two months, I was I was more of a, a technical manager, uh, you know, man- managing a, a, a worldwide rollout, a team of team of 40, 40 people. Um, and yeah, like yeah, managing a team of forty was now my now, now, now my uh, now my problem. Um, so yeah, like, like I, 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 when I reflect back on some of these things, I made some quite bold decisions that had um, big consequences. I think because I was so young, I didn't. I guess I wasn't phased by the by the gravitas of the or the, or the magnitude of what I was doing. Do you think that ignorance worked? For you? I think so. Like if I had to do some of these things now, I would massively over, massively, massively over uh, overthink them. Um, and I, I think that comes with life experience as well, don't you? You have a um, yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't say that I didn't have any responsibilities. I had a, you know, a baby, a mortgage, and well, it wasn't my husband at the time, but you know, a, a long term, long term relationship. It's not as if I was, um, I was fancy free and had no consequences. But yeah, it's just, yeah, I guess, I was just quite, quite brave. I suppose, happy, happy to go, happy to go with things. Um, like, and that was certainly true in the next sort of pivot that I made as I, as I left H, HP. So we're in two thousand eight now. The start of the last big recession. Um, as much as I enjoyed working at HP, they were, you know, it's a big, it's a big, big enterprise at the end of the day, and I felt like quite a small cog in quite a big, big machine. You know, couldn't see me sort of being there for life, uh, to uh, to be honest. Um, and I, I made the decision to then move into doing contracting work. You know, I've eighteen months out of the army, I, I could see what the world had to offer. I had a better grasp of where some of my unique strengths lay, you know, the the my broad general uh, generalist technical skill set might not have been good for being a deep specialist, um, but it was certainly useful when it came to management. You know, be, being able to speak to almost anybody about almost anything technical, um, and tra- like and then translate and speak uh, speak to the rest of the business about what we're doing was was a pretty pretty useful skill. Um, and yeah, I, I can remember my mum saying to me, she thought it was she thought it was um, 
not it wasn't a very wise move as far as she's concerned. I was off temping. Um, you know, leaving a leaving a well known brand to, to go off uh, to go off temping. But uh yeah, off I went and done done contracting for what another another seven years. So I had quite a sort of second career almost in, in, in contracting, uh moving around, doing lots of different roles between engineering management and like engineering director type roles, product management, agile coaching, project and product management. You know, so really uh, exposing myself to all sorts of different environments, different people, um, different ways of working, different industries. Like, and this was a whilst I didn't plot every move that I made. Quite often, they were via networks. I that was a conscious decision for me to do that for a few years and gain lots of different experience and exposure to so many different uh, different working environments. You know, by by the time I got to thirty. Um, you know, in comparison to some of my peers that had been, you know, through the more traditional route of going to university and the like, I, you know, I had over ten years management experience, um, and, and and yeah, like that was really really helping me helping me stand uh, helping me stand out. Um, and I like and I did pursue an academic career in a in a different in a different way. You know, I'll, you know, throughout the my time in the army, I built up lots of different vocational qualifications, um, and as I um, in fact, I started it when I was on maternity leave. I started a, a, a degree with the Open University, uh, and it, you know, it took me what seven years to do part time. Um, but you know, I had a, a degree in uh, leadership and management at the uh, at the end of that, which was really useful because you know, as I was doing more and more management stuff, I was applying it in practice uh, uh, as 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 I as I, uh, as I went as I went along. Um, so yeah, so like I, yeah, like. I, you know, not the most traditional path to getting into technical technical management, but yeah, I think the, the the broad array of different places that I worked and different people that I was exposed to um, made me a bit older than my years, to be honest. Probably why I've got so much grey hair. <laughs> when I spoke to Marta, uh, who's CTO at uh about you, she she said that you were very inspiring. Um, why do you pe- why do you think people say that? Yeah, I don't know. I wish I, I wish I knew. Like uh, people, people often say to me that I'm very transparent and pretty open to like they, uh, being vulnerable. I guess I think because I'm transparent, people see that I'm um, warts and all. Like I'm not afraid to share my experiences, good, good or bad. Um, and yeah, I think people find that. Um, inspiring because it, it helps nor- it helps normalize doesn't it like what i talk about is what normal people go through like it's yeah it's, it's, it's t- tough decisions to take to change jobs to like part of the reason that i was a contractor was to be able to afford the childcare. to be to be perfectly honest like these are these are normal problems that normal people have and i don't think i shy away from from talking about normal normal issues to be honest so i that's the best that i can do to uh, to, to to link to link the two together, and yet now you're the VP of Engineering at Moo, and many people would think that that's not necessarily the job of a normal person. You've got a really successful job, and it's something that a lot of people look up to. So you can't be completely normal. Well, I don't know. I never. I don't think I'm anything special, to be honest. Um, like if I had to, um, I'd see what was my my uh, superpower. Um, like I think that my ability to reach very broad and sort of cut across, like I'm a good generalist, I suppose. My specialism has been a good generalist. Um, and I think I'm a naturally empathetic person. Um, you know, I, I relate to people and their problems quite easily. Um, and then the engineer comes out of me and I try to solve them. So I think, they, uh, so I think that combination of, uh, of, of things is... Uh, is is really is, is really useful, uh, and yeah, it helps me get things done, um, which in turn is ultimately what companies want us to do, isn't it? They want us to get things done for the uh, for, for the company, and yeah, I've got a good a good track record of being able to do that in lots of different ways with lots of different different people, and yeah, and I suppose that within itself is inspiring as well. Like I, I think I can draw upon lots of lots of different places I've worked and experiences, and try and relate them to the situation I've in, that I'm in. Um, and yeah, com- combine some experience with current context to create an, uh, uh, an approach to a, a new approach to something. It's getting back to that sort of problem solving thing, isn't it? 
you said that you're a specialist being a generalist and i think that the idea of a specialist is 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 deeply rooted in our society because it comes from this division of labor and the fact that we as individuals can kind of share our unique gift with the world and and often that tends to be some kind of specialism um and there are some amazing pros to that uh you can become an expert at something that's relatively niche and being an expert gives you a large sense of pride and that's good but then there's also a part where our identity is well, it's not really one thing it's like so many different things we have so many different parts to ourselves, and being a generalist perhaps can enables a enables us to live all of those different lives um what benefits do you think being a generalist has given you yeah it's a good yeah, it's a good way to look at it i think i've got a quite a a, a a broad tool, toolkit like i've got lots of different different skills and sure i might not be the the best screwdriver in the world but you know, i can i can put together a flat pack piece of furniture as good as as good as the uh, as good as the rest of them um so yeah, i think my the benefit of that is that you're you are able to apply yourself to lots of different situations um and the companies like me where i am now the size that they're at so sort of sme stage or, or maybe even earlier with a start a startup but you have to wear many hats you know they can't afford or they're moving too fast to have specialists and everything. So you know they, they you know they expect people to ad adapt to the environment that they're in, um, and 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 grow with it and learn and learn new skills. So I think when they you know, as well as being able to apply myself in different situations, uh, you you naturally want to learn more supplementary and complementary skills. Like one of the if I had to like one of the things that I. I still don't consider myself a specialist, but like many other people do. You know, I've, I've put a, a lot of time and effort into learning facilitation and coaching skills, um, and to, you know, to complement my management and leadership ones, which not a lot of people do. Um, and you know, that 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 really that that really helps in any situation. Like being able to facilitate or design a workshop with whatever audience is quite a is quite a powerful powerful skill to skill to have, um, and yeah, you can apply it to anything that you're doing, um, you know, regardless of the context really. So yeah, apply yourself in lots of different ways, and I think it just naturally lends to con continuing to learn more. Like you can only go so deep in one thing, can't you? How have you managed to balance the? on the one hand these kind of external motivations and the other these extrinsic motivations and sometimes they they can compete um and it sounds like your story has so many different moments where actually like yeah okay it's nice to say that we're all going to have our intrinsic motivations and we're going to follow that all the time but sometimes you've got a problem or you've got an opportunity you've got something that's happened in your life and you need to make the decision to do something, not because you kind of like, I don't know, some kind of inclination that you've got that's just born out of you, but because the practical scenario suggests that I need to do some contracting because I need some money. How have you navigated that? And I guess what I'm really interested in is how you've navigated it against your own personal happiness, because the moments with which you're going further away from your intrinsic motivations, I guess you're likely to become more unhappy. Yeah, hard. Yeah, I've, 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 another part of my story, uh, the job that I had before before me, I stopped contracting, and uh, I took a permanent role as a civil a civil servant, and this was a like a, a personal and a, a work related related decision. So, like like you're saying, a, a point there that really makes you pause and pause and reflect. So, like professionally, I probably hit a glass ceiling as a contractor, like you. You can only ever get so far, and I was quite lucky to have had management positions as a contractor anyway. But you know, you get to the point where you're you're just not allowed in the room, like you. And I was really wanted to be more involved in setting company strategy, um, and, and yeah, steering steering the ship a little bit more. Um, and I couldn't as a freelance contractor, like I maybe could have if I went to consultancy, but yeah, I'm I'm too honest. I swear too much to be a <laughs> to be a consultant. Um, and yeah, like again, like I made a, a hard choice then to to do something different and become a permanent member of staff. One for the professional reason, but then the other bit was 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 an intrinsic motivator really. Like I wanted to feel um, like part of a, 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 
a community again, like like I belonged to something. And in the you know, for all its flaws, like the civil service is very is very much that. And like I was purpose driven as well, and I think that was a the, the key bit. Like I really felt that every day that I went to work, I was I was contributing to something that was way way bigger than than me. And and it wasn't monetary reasons either, because I think back to the you know my my role at HP, they were you know private. Or, Public organisation, but the you know money making organisation. So yeah, um, you know, the, the purpose driven part of the company was. I, I, I probably didn't realise until I had to make that call how how important that was to me. But that but that came with huge con- compromises. Like I went from being a contractor to being a civil servant. <laughs> like I won't say the actual numbers, but it was a, easily a forty percent pay cut. Like it had it had an impact on my life. Um, and you know, I had to speak to my husband about. He actually went, went, was contracting at the same time, so he went contracting in order to um, yeah, f- fill the gap on some of the money, in order for us to be able to afford childcare. Uh, so, yeah, so so I could pursue some of the some of my my career ambitions. So yeah, I mean, that, yeah. So when you're you're part of a family, and you, you know, you've got more than just yourself to think about, you, you you have to do that. You've got to think of all the different the different aspects that are uh, that that are. Uh, that you're going to have to yeah juggle, uh, and then think about the impact it'll have in your have in your life. Um, you know, like I'd done all the sums there. You know, we, like I I could afford it. We'd have we'd have to make some changes to our lifestyle, but that's that's what I wanted to do at the time, and that's 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 what I done, but only for two years. <laughs> what do you do now to determine your expectations at work? And what are they? Like, I'd love to, on a personal level, get deeper into what your expectations of work, like where they come from. Yeah, it's actually harder nowadays. Um, like I, like how I gauge success. Like I, I, I it's not via job title or the not the amount of money I earn or the number of people that I that I that I manage. You know, for me I feel like I'm succeeding if I'm learning and I'm helping other people succeed as well. So like that's a those are like my primary intrinsic motivators. Um and then I, I like I have this uh I don't know the right way to describe it. Like when I feel like I'm too comfortable and my feet are under the table and I'm comfy in my chair, I get I get restless. So like I need to um you get that sort of feeling in your stomach where you're being stretched, where you know you're like you're you're just outside your comfort zone, but you're not you know, terrified of what you're what you're doing. And that and that's growth, isn't it? You know you're like it feels uncomfortable, but you know you're growing. Um and I've experienced that feeling many, many times throughout my career. And I need to I don't need to feel it every day, but I need to I need to know it's there. Otherwise I'm getting I'm I'm getting comfortable and complacent. Um so yeah, that, like that, that kind of what spurs me on. That's probably why I've, I've chopped and changed, changed roles so many times. But like when I think about my career at Moo, because I have had a career at Moo, I've had multiple different, different roles. You know, I think, I think this is my fourth job at Moo. Um, you know, they've been able to challenge me and provide me with different opportunities. Sometimes planned, sometimes not. Uh, you know, to to help to help create that uh, create that feeling there. Um, and you know, as I start to think about what I would do after me, well, I'm not I'm not in that that space yet. But like, I, I'm sure there will come a point where, yeah, where I'm I'm I'm, I'm not feeling that, and I may want to move on. Um, or maybe I'll be at the point in my life where that's not that's not something that I wanna that I wanna chase anymore. You know, you have different um, career anchors at different moments in your uh, different moments in your life. Um, you know, my son's 15 now. Um, scares me that like I six months. When he's six months older, he'd been the same age when I left school. It terrifies me. Um, so yeah, like I've got different uh, different attributes wasn't around me, and yeah, maybe and the world has changed as well with you know the pandemic and remote working and the like. Maybe, maybe I won't go off chasing the, <laughs> chasing the next thing. I don't I don't know. That's that's kind of where I'm at right now. Actually, I'm actively thinking about what the next stage of my career. Uh, uh, looks like you know, be, be at me or otherwise. So I'm back to one of those inflection points where I'm consciously thinking about something. You know, I've sort of talked about a few that I've had in the other parts of my career, um, and I'm definitely thinking about this one a lot more than I did any of the other ones. A lot more. <laughs> Wonder why that is. Yeah, I don't know. Like I say, not, I, I like to. I think it's because I'm older, but uh, but but maybe not. Maybe like 
I suppose all these lived experiences build, um, they build emotional baggage, don't they? Or battle scars or war wounds or uh, or whatever. Uh, and like certainly as I think about changing roles now, they, like there's overhead to changing roles. It's hard. Like you've got to, it's hard to find a job. It's hard to go for interviewing, especially when you're speaking to multiple companies at the same time. You know, then you've got to go through all of the onboarding, proving yourself again. Like you could, it could be a year or maybe even two to, to go through that whole process until you're feeling happy and content again. So you've got to, you've got to really want to want to do it. Um, and yeah, when I was earlier in my career, the overhead was worth it. Like I was changing often, but I was having huge learning opportunities every time I changed. Um, and that's probably less less true now. Like I'm not saying that I know everything, but the overhead is going to be pretty big. Um, and, and and yeah, the, the I don't think like I'll always learn something from a from a from a new role. But you have to you have to really really want to know that there's going to there's going to be something in it for me to uh, to want to to want to make the make make the leap. And when your current company is offering you all the things that are ticking your your your, your motivators, then it, yeah, it makes makes you makes you think makes you think twice about it, doesn't it? Maybe your ignorance was greater when you were younger, and uh, as you've got older, your risk appetite has reduced. Quite possibly, yeah, and that's probably true. And I mean, I, I mean, I've burnt out once, and you know, I've been close to it many times. So you know, I think I've got good reason to good reason to be more apprehensive nowadays. Uh, nowadays as well. What was that like? Yeah, it wasn't. It's, it's hard to describe. And like I'm, like at the time, I probably didn't realise it was it was happening. Um, and I, I probably went through a period of six months where, uh, you know, when I look back, I can see the the attributes, the the symptoms that were. Uh, that that were that were present. Like I was, I was emotional. I was like I walked to work crying most days. Like that, like for probably six months. Like and I, like I just you know dried my face off before I went into the office, and that would that would be that. Like it, it became like my pattern, just sort of get the get the emotion out before you go to work, Claire. Like I, I, and at some point I normalised that, and that's that's not normal. Like anybody that's cried before they go to work needs to change shops. Um, but then there was the uh, the other trait which I always keep a lookout for now is cynicism and negativity. You know, I'm quite an optimistic and positive uh, person, and when I, like obviously everybody has their has their ups and downs. But when I'm looking at everything through a cynical more than ne- negative, actually, you know, really can't see the positive in anything. That's not that's not normal for me. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't realise I was like that at the time. Um, but yeah, looking back, I, I could see that I definitely was. So whenever I see little hints of that that creeping in now, you know, I, I make sure that I right clear time to time 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 to look after yourself. Like something's not right here. Fit, like figure out what's 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 the balance. Like is it like burnout? Like people think that burnout comes uh, primarily from overworking, but there are multiple different attributes. You know, and that's just uh, that's just one of them. And when I think back to that period, it wasn't overwork. It was. Um, like me not being involved enough in decisions that impacted me and it was just frustrating the, the buggery out of me like the, the bureaucracy basically within the civil service I couldn't I couldn't handle it um and yeah like I was I was quite uh ambitious and bold in some of the ideas that I was trying to uh trying to move ahead with and I made quite a lot of progress actually but yeah just like not being able to lobby or be involved and actively shape some of those things because you know I'd, I'd been a civil servant for 10 years was was the, the primary drive of it that, that drove the, you know, the frustration that was a primary driver that drove me um and i think it, it took quite a while for me to recover from that and again i probably didn't realize when i think back to when i joined me because i joined me after then i was probably still recovering from burnout at the um as i as i started at me yeah, I took a couple of weeks off. I probably should have took a couple of couple of months off, and I wish I did. Um, I'm burnt out or not. Next job I have, I will definitely have a break between uh, uh, b- between roles. But hey, I'm in a privileged enough position now to be able to to be able to afford to do that. Um, but yeah, I think like the 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 yeah, like you asked, what does it feel like? I I don't know. What it felt like at the time. I I was I was just letting it happen to me. Um, and yeah, I, I, like I I I. I I can I can remember having a particularly cynical conversation with my manager at the time. I was just like, I can't I can't go on like this. Um, and I, you know, I started looking for a new a new role, and I found uh, and I found and I found me. Um, so yeah, ultimately, it was that like me 
realising that I wasn't being myself and true to my normal character. That sort of was a was a wake up call for me to do something about it. How's being a mum affected your work and your choice of work and the way that you've navigated this journey? Because it sounds like there's some obvious ones, right? Like just really obvious changes that it's going to make. But it also feels like you might have a better understanding than many, like what the the kind of silent things are, both for good and for bad. Yeah, and like those are... Like there are there are similar problems, but they're all quite different, aren't they? So like how like how has me being a mum helped me in my job? Like, like there are so many skills that you get better at in being a parent that are totally transferable. Like I'm forever telling uh, new, new mums this. Like like how organised you have to be to be get up, get your get your kiddie up, dressed, fed, out the door, school, nursery, whatever. Like all on time, all synchronised, all organised. Like. Parents are the most organised people in the whole in the whole world. Like being able to deal with the, the pressure of doing all that every single freaking day, not just in the morning, you have to do it in the afternoon as well. Like that's that's precision planning uh, and organisation skills that are that are, like the the up level your 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 skills there. Um, I mean, I said earlier that I'm quite an empathetic person. I'm not sure I always was. <laughs> I think me being a being a being a parent and not just a mum, but like being part of a family unit, um, you need to think about more the people, the people that you live with that are dependent on you, um, you know, and, and just try and think about their perspective and you know, how you're all going to. Life's one big compromise at the end of the day, isn't it? So I think as you're navigating that that at home, um, where are we going to live? Are we going to move? Which which town? Uh, which school is my child going to go to? Like you're you're naturally sort of. Prioritize, like you learn prioritization skills, your negotiation skills, your you know, just trying to like trying to figure out the best outcome outcome for you. So you know, I think the sort of parenting skill naturally helps you think about yeah outcomes really. But you're you're learning a um, a skill in your personal life that can equally equally apply it apply at work. Um, but yeah, like when I think about career choices along the way and you know what choices I've made, I doubt to being a being a parent. You know, I think that there have been multiple. Um, so, like, well, when we leave in the army, was the was the first one. So, like, I made a, a very conscious decision that I didn't want um, both of us serving in the army uh, and sort of travelling around with a child. Like, pl- plenty of people do, and they and they love it. But many friends that still do, but I I didn't want that. You know, I I grew up in a coal mining village in Scotland, and you know, some of, I'm still friends with my best friends there today, and I kind of wanted the same for my child to. To be able to grow up with a group of group of friends, um, and yeah, you know, when they went off to university, we'd go off and meet new ones, but uh, uh, you know, we'd still be uh, rooted in sort of where um, there's some friends back home. So I got that, that. I made a choice there to uh, to do that, and that meant like I after I left HP, I had a, we made a very conscious choice on where to live, <laughs> in order to provide some stability. Uh, bearing in mind I was con- contracting at the time, um, which is why I ended up where I live today, actually, in Weybridge and Surrey. You know, you're able to get up and down the M3-4 corridor. You can get down to the coast if need be. Like, if need be, you can get up to Milton Keynes and then to London. So, you know, a, a location that would provide the stability for my family but would still allow me quite a lot of flexibility in, uh, in, in work. So, yeah, that was, that was quite a, a quite a big choice. Um, and, yeah, then there was a contracting thing. Like, the... There's this misconception that when your kids go to school, uh, you know, childcare will get easier. I think everybody kind of accepts begrudgingly that you know early years childcare for a baby is expensive, but it's, it's not any easier when when they go to school. Like it's actually, if you like go to nursery, drop them off at eight, pick them up at six, and it's like like every single day, like they're only closed a couple of days a year. So it's like there's lots of um, uh, support and facility there to help you. But as soon as your child goes to school. You're, that doesn't exist anymore. There's what ten weeks holiday you need to need to figure out. So like they don't they don't open till nine. They don't always have breakfast clubs. Don't always have after school clubs. Um, and yeah, like I tried so many different types of childcare. Um, you know, I've had childminders before after school clubs. I've had nannies, living nannies. I've, you know, done pretty much everything. Um, and yeah, they all cost an absolute fortune. Like d- during that period, my childcare costs were higher than my higher than my mortgage. Like there's, if I wasn't contracting, I 
couldn't have afforded to up, to be perfectly honest. Or I would have certainly been paying out as much as I was as much as I was uh, as much as I was earning. Um, so I, yeah, I probably worked longer as a contractor um, for the financial benefit as a, as a probably a secondary um, benefit, but it was it was high up there. Uh, yeah, to be able to sort of afford the childcare. Um, you know, me and my husband both working pretty pretty hard. You know, maybe we could maybe we could um, afford a few luxuries in life and life as in life as well. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going for like another um, mulling over point right right now. You know, I was sort of talking earlier about uh, how, how I'm contemplating what I do after me, or if I do anything after me, um, or if I never leave me. Uh, and part and part of that decision is around what my son does next. So he's doing his GCSEs right now. He's deciding whether he wants to go to the local sixth form, whether he wants to go to college and specialise in something else. He's not sure if he wants to go to university. There's T levels nowadays and BTECs. Like there's so many, so many choices um, that it, it, it's uh, you know it's just so many things to navigate. Um, and yeah, I think as I think about. My next stage of my career, I'll be making a, I'll be making a, a choice in conjunction with him around what he does with his next stage of skill. To be honest, it's it's so practical and it's so uh, like work is just so necessary. It's it it plays such an important part to our life and uh, throughout history, all the way up until very recently. These are the only types of questions that we could possibly try and answer through work. Is how do we put money on the table food on the table how do we figure out how to live and support the people around us and yet we live in this new age where if you play your cards right somehow you can end up pursuing your passions and your inclinations at the same time as also earning money and besides the kind of the practical side to the way that you've approached your work you've clearly also figured out how to cultivate your passions and pursue them in a working context what's been the what have you done there that other people haven't how have you cultivated those passions and how have you listened to your own inclinations mm, how have i done it i think i'm quite self-aware or i've put more effort into being self uh, self-aware um yeah at different points in my career um, I, I, I can remember getting some quite um, profound impact feedback once, actually, about which this this is what got me into coaching and facilitation, actually, um, about how my uh, passion for a certain topic just meant that I was railroading people, I was talking over people, I was interrupting them, um, and yeah, like inadvertently manipulating the room to um, to get to get to an outcome, most mostly because I just wanted to get finished rather than trying to coerce coerce people. And you're like somebody gave me that bit of, bit of feedback, and I um, went off googling listening skills. Like, all right, I need to listen a bit better. Um, and yeah, that, that sort of helped me off, uh, sent me down the path of looking through uh, into coaching and facilitation, so I could handle those moments moments better. Um, this was maybe ten years ago, and I think once I'd learnt those skills, it becomes like that retrospective mentality becomes second second nature. So yeah, maybe without realising it, I apply just as much of those, um, you know, those concepts to to all of my my life than I than I than I maybe than I maybe realise. So yeah, that sort of um, self awareness and introspecting on, uh, you know, am, am I happy in what I'm what I'm doing? Um, you know, how, how do I balance? Like, if I'm unhappy, what do I want to do about it? Like, don't just sit there and whinge about it. You can you can do plenty of things. You know, like some, sometimes it's leaving a job. Sometimes it's like navigating the maze inside your inside your existing job. Like the worst thing you can do is just sit there and be unhappy about it, isn't it? Um, so yeah, that that might be the thing that I that I do different. It's uh yeah, like take take action and acknowledge how you're feeling and then take action upon it and actively think about what your what your actions might might be. Um, and sometimes just making the conscious decision to be all right. This is uncomfortable, but it's fine. Like that's still a conscious choice to. Have, like do nothing, like make your do nothing choice a choice rather than just coasting. So I don't, I don't think I, I just coast along much, and, or I might do for a few months, but yeah, I'll, I'll, st- I'll stop in and check in with myself pretty frequently. It sounds efficient and uh, and sh- and straight, and I and 
the counter to that is that often it takes us following our kind of playful natures in a way and uh, playing and getting... I don't consider it street at all. Like if I had to, like if I draw my, uh, like I have career coaching conversations with my my boss and even with myself sometimes, like whenever I draw some of this out, yeah, I, 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 I draw multiple forks in the path. Like I'm thinking about, uh, like I, I've kind of, grown up the corporate career ladder without that being my desire. Like I've I've got multiple promotions and you know to the position that I am today without actively trying to climb the corporate career ladder because it's not it's not my primary motivation. Um so like I've I've got this sort of path that I'm on that I like I didn't really intend to be on, but it's proved useful. Um I think ultimately I would like to end up in a uh in a role or a position where I have a like a core job somewhere probably part-time, um, where I can apply some of my experience and help and help folks out, um, which would pay the bills, or, or maybe I'll get into a position where I don't even need that job. Um, you know, I can, uh, you know, don't sort of need that core bit. And I've been more of a portfolio career where, you know, I'm doing things like this or speaking or like teaching or mentoring or coaching or charity work or like whatever it would be, like a, a collection of different things, you know, to, uh, uh, you know, to, to help Give me the variety that I that I always I always crave. So like when I, yeah when I draw out like my maze or my career path, it's uh yeah it's multiple paths with forks and merges and, and branches. And yeah when I when I talk about introspecting and self reflecting, I, I I think about these paths in my head and like have I gone so far down one that I'm like I can't turn around. Like you know is there is there a way to cut from cut from one to the one one to the other? Like I, I, like my third path would be at some point I, uh, I you know, I could see myself running my own, running my own company. Like I don't have an idea just yet, but I'm pretty sure one day it'll come to me. Like and all the skills and experiences that I've uh, gained over the over the years will will, will help me uh, help me in doing that. So yeah, it's what it's one big one big messy path, isn't it? I rather or it has been for me. I, I that's the way I treat my life and my career. Um, yeah, rather than it being a. A, a, a stepping stones or a, or a ladder that you that you that you need to climb because I think that's just the nature of life, isn't it? How would you say that for you your work becomes meaningful? How does it become meaningful for you? Yeah, this is a, this is a I don't know if it's a tough one because I think the I I as I left the public sector because I spent quite a long time working in the public sector. I had to think about this question. Like when you're in the public sector, it's, it's easy to find your purpose. Like you, you you know you're doing something for a greater a greater good. And I was really worried when I left the public sector that I would not be able to adapt. To, I don't want to call it a corporate environment, but a, yeah, like a different type of environment. Um, and I had to question myself on this when I joined when I joined Moo. Like would I like is it enough? Um, and the, the the thing that that flipped for me, and then I realised what's important to me. Um, as I was waiting to join Moo, my uh, my manager at the time sent me a, a a surprise package, and it was a package of our Lux note cards, and she'd handwritten a little note in there saying you're welcome to the team, blah blah blah. But like I did, I didn't know what this package was. So I'm opening up the package, and it's in this beautiful, like gorgeous little box that we sell. So I'm opening it up, still thinking, what the heck are these? And I open it up. And there's a note card in there, and there's, and there's a little note. And like one, the note that my boss had left me was nice and special, but I like I was more in awe of the product. Like I was like, like these are amazing. Like I'm going to work for a company that makes these, and like I had a smile on my face, and I was picking them up, and I was, you know, I was looking at them all and the colours and tapping the quality and how beautiful the box was and the packaging that came in, and I just thought, like our customers must feel like that. Like I and I, like and I remember that now. Like our our um. Our, our, our company mission is to be great design for everyone. Um, and I remember now the feeling that I felt the first time that I'd seen a, a high-quality, well-designed product and how it made made me feel. Um, and I imagine our customers feeling the same. So like the, the where I get the sort of purpose and the desire obviously comes from making other people happy, uh, and other, like making other people feel like we've given them something useful or beneficial. Um, and I, that was enough for me to join me, and it's enough for me to enough for me to uh, to keep uh, to keep being here to keep being here since. But I think you know, if I, I keep wherever I go next, I, I I would seek I would seek that like this. 
what what is it that's making somebody smile about what about what what I'm helping and able to do? And it wouldn't have been possible a century ago, and we would have re- we would have seen those ethical careers. As you said, you're in the in the in the public service, or you're a nurse. Uh, instead of you can contribute something positive to society through through companies. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, and like I, I, like I was talking there about customers, but I I think the same thing holds true with 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 people that you work with. Like I take take great pride in managing and leading other other people and not in the controlling sense and the helping grow other grow other people like i i i love when uh you know if i've helped someone learn something different or i've helped them solve a problem or i've coached them to help solve their own problem and they've gone on to, gone on to succeed like that's 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 a, like the combination of those two things together uh yeah really really uh really inspire me and yeah, help me to help me get to my, do my work every day we we live in a uh, almost like a hyper personalized society ever since the Renaissance, where we, we this kind of like romantic ideology has freed us in some ways from uh, class or parental structures, and instead we can kind of follow to our own ambitions. Um, what do you think the positive and the negatives are of that? Yeah, I, I was reflecting on some of this this morning, actually, with a colleague, um, like the, the future of work, basically. We were actually talking about uh, remote working and video conferencing and you know, whether that would persist or not. But it's like they're, they're, they're interrelated, aren't they? That nowadays there are so many different work opportunities on tap to people from from wherever. Like my, my son, when he enters a workplace, like he like commuting to him would be completely alien. Like he's grown up his whole life. Uh, virtually, and he's obviously right now you know, playing some video game on his uh, uh, on his Xbox with all his friends that are all that are all over the world. Like it's, it's second second nature for them. Um, so like the, the the pros there are that yeah, I think it just opens up the world of work to like, in ways that we probably can't even imagine nowadays. And that next generation of of workforce are going to demand that we do things in a different way. Like I like the fact that we're all sort of not quite sure about remote working and hybrid working and the stuff right now. Like we're going to have to get over it pretty pretty fast because they like the next generation are going to demand something that we probably don't even know uh, know exists today, um, which is a pro and a con, isn't it? Like it's 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 scary because um, we've got to solve these problems um, and fast. Um, and I don't think we know the problems that that's gonna that that's gonna create for the uh, for the future. To be to be perfectly honest, because you know the, the counter argument on spending more time in person and the more traditional jobs is you know we've, you know they uh, we have more connections and networking, the camaraderie. Like we we know how we used to do it in the past. We we knew that meeting people in person like achieved it, and you've got quite a big part of society right now that are still sceptical there. Maybe they're afraid. Maybe they don't know how to do it. Um, but yeah, you're, you're going to have this mix of those different people in the uh, in, in, in the workforce where where there will be attention. Like some people are going to want to do it one way, and the the, the other the other half are going to that going to that going to going to resist. So I think it's a yeah for everything that is a pro, there's a, a con that comes with it, isn't it? You can't you can't please uh, you can't please everyone. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's going to be fascinating over the next few years anyway to see how some of this all ties together. So they they um, as we properly come out the other side of the pandemic and companies realise how they want to how they want to run their companies and whether they're remote or not, and they then the influx of the Gen Zers uh, and even younger into the uh, into the work the workplace. I think the next sort of five years are going to be really fascinating. I think it's going to create some new no, no problems for us to for us to have to solve, including how the heck we recruit great people. <laughs> and how would you describe your relationship with work now? And is there any way that you want that to change in the future? Hmm, my relationship with work. The one thing that I've always struggled with, and I think this has come from my time in the army. I find it hard to separate life and work, and not in a life. A work-life balance way, I get I get immersed. Like my for seven years, my job was my life. Uh, the people that I worked with were my friends. Uh, 
and like I, the early part of my career, that was that was that was just life, and it was very similar when I was uh, sort of growing up in a village as well. So I, I I fully immerse myself in whatever I do, to be perfectly honest. Um, and yeah, I think that that can be great to get things done, but then yeah, I can I can take it take it to extremes. So I think as I've grown older and more more experienced, I'm better able to integrate my work and life better um, rather than work life balance. Like I, I'm really enjoying the the ability now to um, you know, work in a mix from home and in the office, sort of create non-linear days um, and, and balance those things in a, in a in a way that that way that works for a way that works for me. Um, and that that that, work, that works great. Like I I have no qualms with going out in the middle of the day for two or three hours to go for a cycle ride or whatever if if that's what I need to do like I'll I'll do my if I'm not in the mood for doing something I won't do it I'll go I'll go do the washing or something and I'll come back to work when I uh when I when I feel when I feel like doing it um so yeah that really works for me now and I think I I, I, I think that's going to help keep me on the straight and narrow of not pushing myself too hard and uh, potentially burning myself out so yeah like I consider that level of flexibility I suppose is part and part of my package nowadays and you know most providing that benefit and like any other company that I went to afterwards that would be quite high up on my high up on my my, my priority list you know being able to you know have have a, a fair amount of say in how I how I manage my time um, and go about doing my doing my work um, and for most of us in technology roles that's 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 viable um, yeah Thanks so much, Claire. Oh, I've really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, good. That's been great, and your honesty, clarity, openness—I think it's Is that what inspiring. Really refreshing, <laughs> helpful. Yeah, and it will give so many people a way clearer idea of how they could navigate their own journey too. I good speaking to you, Ben. You too. Loved it. Thanks, Claire. Speak to you later. Bye. Bye. The Best Work Podcast is produced by the team at Cord. I'd love your advice on how we can make sure the Best Work Podcast is having a profound impact on the way we all pursue our best work. Email me at bennettcord.co. You can also find a transcript of this conversation, insightful video content, and more at cord.co slash insights. Thanks for listening.